this week on Dead and Married. <laughs> we are in the throes of sexy season still. By the way, hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Travis. <laughs> and today we are going to be discussing My Bloody Valentine from 1981, I believe. Yep, 1981. Yeah, and this is a... Uh, this is one of my personal favorites. We actually just got through watching it, um, trying to get ourselves, of course, geared up for this. And I think, Travis, you may actually appreciate this movie more than you thought now, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, so I, I like this movie better than the remake. Yeah. So this is not... It, it, my Bloody Valentine is not one of those movies that anybody throws down in, like, your big three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the, the notoriety... I was going to say the fan base, but it just doesn't seem to have the clout that like uh, Chainsaw or Halloween or Friday the 13th or whatever. And those have all been remade. And there's probably a short list of movies that I'd say, yeah, you could do that again and that'd be okay. This isn't one of them. It's kind of like the thing. We didn't need another one. I think they got it right the first go round. And I don't, I don't know. I I guess I don't say that very often, but yeah, I, I like this one. This is, it was good. It's, it's criminally underrated as far as slashers go, I feel like. I mean, yeah, they they cashed in on that whole we got to have a slasher on a holiday thing. But this one, I feel like it stands on its own. It's not, it doesn't feel like that money grab like most of them do. You know what I mean? Well, and I think a lot of that is because this is one of the few that it was in that era where they said, hey, we're going to have a slasher on a holiday and Erwin Yoblins was not involved with it. <laughs> right. But yeah, this this is one that it, it's it's a comfort movie for me almost at this point. And I have a short list. I mean, to be honest, I know it seems like ever since we've started this thing, I've been like, oh, I love this movie. I love this movie. I love this movie. But to be honest, there's really only a handful of movies that I consider to be comfort movies for me. And this is one of them. It's like, it does not have to be Valentine's Day for me to watch it. Yes, I do watch it yearly. Uh, for the occasion, but it's one that I can put on anytime. Just, yeah. I don't know what it is about this one. It's got a different vibe, I guess, than the others. Yeah, and you know what else is significant about this movie is that it is a Canadian film (laughs) that we are not probably going to rip on. No, probably not. Because we've kind of, we've riffed a couple of them already. Yeah. I know Prom Night was one of them. Yeah. What, did we do another Canadian film besides Prom Night? I thought there was another one in there. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Can't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah. You should be sorry. <laughs> but I actually, I actually like this one. So Good. I, don't, I don't have complaints about it. Good. I'm glad. Um, it was bound to happen sometime. I know. I know. <laughs> don't don't be. I looked. Don't get me wrong. I I tried to not like it. <laughs> and but, it's 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 a hard movie to not like. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the casting, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I think they did a really good job with the casting. I'm, I'm not going to say acting, because I think some of them, you can tell they were, you know, young actors or new actors, right? Maybe this was their first film. We didn't go do all the research that we had did last season, so, which is great, because I that's that can get kind of tedious, honestly, trying yeah. to, because I feel like I always have to vet anything that I'm going to say on the show. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. don't. I don't just go to IMDb and regurgitate those. Uh, you can't see my air quotes facts because <laughs> that's user generated. So you never know if it's real or not. So right. I always try to source my facts from somewhere else uh, where it's you know comes back to an interview or something like that with an actual person. But I, anyway, I gotta tell you now that we're just kind of 
rules free about this whole thing and just sitting and uh, bullshitting about stuff. It's a lot. It's, it's liberating in a yeah, way. It is. It really <laughs> is. I don't miss the research. I like to get the information, but I don't miss the research. But anyway, I couldn't tell you specifically that this is a lot of first time actors or, or younger, newer actors. I would say that some of the performance, it looks like they probably were, but the chemistry in the cast is what really worked for me. Specifically, you've got the minors and their girlfriends mm-hmm. and uh, to, for me, those relationships were believable. Yeah. I would say that the acting is worse than the remake for people who had been acting for a lot longer. I I would agree with that to a, to a point. Yeah. To a point. Not everybody. Yeah. But yeah. there's a there's definitely some chewing of the scenery, I would say, in, oh, in sure. the remake. But uh, in this one, yeah. And I, I think that's actually why I love it so much is of all these slashers that you have in the same regurgitated formula this one feels much more grounded to me it feels more down to earth um i think the characters are more real i don't know if that means i don't know if that sounds right or not but they feel like real people yeah that are going through this thing not shiny polished it's not the beautiful people that this is happening to it's minors and their girlfriends and families and you know what does that make sense exactly and i'm not trying to be mean towards any group of people i'm just saying they feel it's like people that you could actually meet yeah in the place where you live, these are not, it's not Hollywood people there. Yeah. These, the way you see this group of people going to the bar after a day at the mine, that, that, that feels believable. Like these are people that go and drink in the evenings to unwind or whatever. And they've probably known each other for a very long time. And that camaraderie is there. Very, yeah, it's, very it's got much. A, an everyman aspect to it. Yeah. And that even, I appreciate. even the townspeople, you know, because we have a people besides our core group here, um, the law enforcement, the, um, the lady who runs the laundromat, uh, the mayor, all it's the same thing with those, our adult characters. I mean, they're all adult characters, but our older characters, it's the same thing. You know, you have these relationships and these arcs and stuff that you would, it just feels like more time was taken with this script as opposed to others. Yeah, and you don't get... And this is just my opinion. I don't feel like you get a lot of the over-the-top characters that were common to the 80s slashers. Right. Mm-hmm. Where you've got like this one person that's just bonkers. I mean, obviously there's a guy in this one, and I don't know what his name is, but he's the comic relief. Uh-huh. But like even he's not as out of bounds as, uh, what's his face? Shelly no. in the, the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, he's exactly. Not. And there's one scene in particular where he kind of goes against type with what the Joker usually right. does. So, and we'll, we'll get into that, of course. But um, for now, the, I think that's pretty much what we like about this movie was yeah. everybody. I, I couldn't find a single unlikable character in this movie. I mean, down to Happy, who hates all these kids, so to speak. He, even he was not an unlikable character. Well, I think just about all the, all the characters in this movie... You look at him and you go, I know somebody like that. Right. Yeah. Like the surly bartender. I think I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. It's like cheers. So, spoiler warning. Yes, obviously right? spoiler. That's the, that's the other thing that that's kind of going away somewhat in uh, in our new format is with all the cut-ins and stuff. <laughs> I may put a spoiler warning in there somewhere anyway, but we've already kind of thrown some spoilers in. So. Yeah. This is your obligatory spoiler warning. At Dead and Married, we talk about major plot points that might ruin films for the casual viewer. If you don't mind spoilers, join us now. If you haven't seen it, what's wrong with you? Go watch it. (laughs) 
Um, and then come back. Obviously, you know, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but I think in terms of what was coming out at the time, um, it it's definitely head and shoulders up there with, with some of the more notorious films. It's It's not as popular, but I think it's, in terms of quality, it's just as good. And I can't understand how you have a character like Harry Warden, or I guess it would be Axel in this case, um, you, they didn't do more with that character. Like, he was a badass killer. Like, I, I could have seen a couple of more of these, you know? I, I, I think I they intended watched, to do that. Yeah, I would have watched another one. Yeah, I think they intended to do that, but they... I think that circumstances probably kept them it, from doing it. This one didn't. So even though Michael Myers is not supposed to be supernatural, he he kind of is. Right. Like even when you take the thorn things out, like he survived shit that a normal person shouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. Even without all that thorn nonsense. Um, obviously, Jason is supernatural in some way, shape, or form. Right. Well, I guess he's a zombie at this point, but Harry Warden's just he's just a guy. Yeah. Crazy as hell, but just a guy. Yeah. And so I don't think like I don't think the lifespan was gonna ever be there for him unless they introduced some supernatural element which would have completely ruined it mm-hmm. to me. Uh, but I think because he was missing that supernatural presence or whatever, that mm-hmm. larger than life quality that they just didn't continue with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have all your you know, you have your Myers mask that is so clean and shapeless and that makes it terrifying but i would say that the miners costume it's also pretty fucking scary too and a pickaxe is a pretty formidable weapon i mean i would think it would handle better better pedal i can't talk um i would think that it would certainly handle better than a chainsaw i mean definitely better than a chainsaw <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm with you there. <laughs> not all of us can speak as eloquently as you yeah. I, don't, I mean, yeah, pickaxe would make a, a formidable weapon. They're heavy. You'd have to be a strong dude to swing that thing very many times. Yeah. But, but these are miners we're talking about. These are guys that work. Right. So, but... And it's more durable than a machete, for sure. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. So. But, uh, Travis, I think you probably... This is yet another one that you had not seen until we were already together, correct? Oh, yeah. 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 No, I had never seen this movie. but I don't know that I'd even heard of this movie before. <laughs> well, so. as per usual, this was one I saw when I was a little kid. Way too young to see it, obviously. Um, I, it wasn't one that I watched a lot. And as a matter of fact, I don't know that I had watched it any more times beyond that one time when I was a kid. I may have been an adult before I picked it up again. And for some reason, the only scene that I had committed to memory is the opening. You know, you had the scene of the miner and the girl in the in the mine shaft and look like they're about to get down. And then he takes her and slams her against the pickaxe he had sticking in the wall behind her. That stuck out to me. And then, of course, you have the animated... Uh, animated bleh, animated title card with the blood (laughs) animated blood dripping over it and the scream and so for some reason that that stuck with me but I couldn't remember much else beyond that so picking it up as an adult I was much more able to appreciate it for what it was and it was kind of like a where's this movie been all my life type of situation yeah it's a good opening for the movie it's I don't know I I like any movie that opens with a kill personally Mm -hmm. that's just me um 
I, I don't have a lot. I don't have a, a memory attached to this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like you're putting me on the spot here. You want no. me to follow what you just said no. with something similar. And I didn't see this movie until you were like, hey, you should watch this movie. Yeah. So, you might have even seen the remake first. I probably did. Yeah. Well, because I think, yes, because I think we watched the remake because it came on after we started dating. And then you were like, you should watch the original. Yeah. So I think I saw him in reverse I order. think we were already married by the time Maybe. the remake came out. I think Aiden might have been a baby. Well, I have no idea what year the remake came out in. Yeah. So. Well, but yeah, I think I saw it first. Yeah. And honestly, we probably were all over it just because we, we knew Jensen Ackles was going to be in it. Cause right. We watched it because Dean Winchester was in it. Yeah. We're, if we haven't already mentioned it, we're big fans of Supernatural. And I was a big fan of the first what, three seasons of Supernatural? <laughs> you got me into it. I know. And then they started just doing the same thing over and over again for the next 15 years, and I kind of I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I, I followed it to its bitter end. Like and they, they did the wash, rinse, repeat thing a lot. Well, it's because we love those characters so much, or at least I do. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think that was our initial reason for wanting to watch it was, like, ooh, Dean's in it. So Well, because I don't think we'd ever seen him in a movie before. I think we'd only yeah, seen no. him in that. So. Yeah, and it was the same thing with the Friday the 13th remake, which I believe came out the same year as the My Bloody Valentine remake. And the reason we wanted to do that one was, A, because Jason, obviously. And then second was because Jared Padalecki was in that one. Let so. me tell you what a disappointment that movie was. <laughs> no kidding. No, I don't want to talk about that movie. <laughs> I was kidding. If you got your hopes up that we were going to talk about that movie, I'm sorry. We may cover it eventually because Derek Mears is actually a pretty badass Jason. He's the only good thing That's about that movie. That's the only redeeming quality that movie has. And I know that a lot of you guys are going to disagree with that because I know a lot of people actually love that movie. It just wasn't for me, but you know. And that's a thing we can kind of discuss between these two My Bloody Valentine movies is because it kind the remake kind of got the same treatment, whereas we take all these things that we loved about the original, but we got to amp it up to 11, amp it up to well, 11. then let's just talk about it. So, you know, when the movie starts, you get your kill and then you go to these guys working in the mine mm -hmm. and they're talking to each other like they know each other, like they work together every single day. And then they go to the shower and they're showering together. And I read somewhere that they were really naked and that was cold water. <laughs> Oh, that would suck. Yeah, that the steam was being blown in to make it look like the water was hot, and that just made it even colder. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you get the banter between all uh -huh. these guys, and you're like, okay, I believe it, that the, they know each other. And the exposition didn't feel too expository. No, it was just a bunch of guys in a locker room talking shit. Yeah. I mean, like all of our all of our plot points that are uh, important to the story, they touch on him, yes, but it wasn't anything like, oh, like, you you guys, are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? Because I'm giving you important information here. You know, it was just like, they casually mentioned that TJ hadn't been living there in a while and he was coming back to town and Axel's dating his old girl, girlfriend. And, and by the way, let's go get drunk. Yeah. Like, it, again, it was just guys talking shit. Yeah. You know, of course, then they pile in their cars and they go do the thing that they were talking about doing, like... We're going to go to the bar. We just got off work. We're going to go have a few beers. Yeah. And I know that they set this, uh, what was town? It's, is it Valentine Bluffs in this one or is that I think the so. one? Yeah. Cause I think it's Harmony in the remake. I think you're right. Um, but they never, I don't know that they specifically say that this is in Canada. They just give us the town, but it feels very, if you didn't know it was Canada, you would think it'd be something more like what? I think you Virginia, would automatically jump Virginia. to like West Virginia or something yeah, like that. Like a, a state that is 
that is is sort of I say famous known for coal mining. Yeah. Which I don't know that they ever explicitly state that it's a coal mine in the movie. Yeah, except that, that they're all black and a filthy. Mine. Yeah. Um, but it works, and it is a coal mine, and they shot it in an old coal mine in yeah. Nova Scotia or yeah. something like that. So, but I guess my point is that you, you know, from from that on. You know, all the way up to where they get to town and the guys meet their girlfriends and you see that interaction and the chemistry between the actors and the actresses. And it's good. Mm-hmm. And you, you get it that these are just people living their life. Yeah. And I, I guess that's it for me. Yeah. It feels very natural. Even I would if the like to see more not, movies like that. Even if you're, you're not going to win an Academy Award for the acting that goes on in this movie, but it just felt natural to me. Yeah. And in contrast to the remake, I, it didn't. It's it's hyper stylized. It's one of those MTV movies. It yeah. It's the Scream Generation. Yeah, exactly. Where everybody talks like they have PhDs and or you know they don't talk like we talk normally. And I think we've already touched on that in a couple of episodes where we we just like people to seem human. They don't need to be overly smart and clever and pretentious. You know, just just you know if you're gonna have these people that are supposed to be girls next door or guys next door or whatever. Then treat them that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I. They don't need to be cunning linguists. I <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. <laughs> I think for me, it's a, a movie's scarier when you don't have blatantly Hollywood actors in it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. When it could be anybody mm-hmm. in your neighborhood. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But when you get your really polished actors up there and actresses, then it becomes then it becomes fiction. Yeah. And I realize that it's fiction from the beginning, but I think, and I refer to it as the, the they got the Scream generation. Scream did for movies in the 90s the same thing that like Halloween did for mm-hmm. movies in the, the... It's a great example. Well, it was late 70s, but in the 80s. The difference is that Scream worked one time. Does that make sense? Halloween, you get a bunch of Halloween clones and they all kind of worked in their own way. I mean, if you look at Friday the 13th, it's sort of a Halloween clone. The first one was a blatant Halloween clone, but it worked. Yes. If you look at, and there were several movies, this being included, that it was probably a product of the Halloween boom and it worked. Yes. If you look at the Scream boom, how many movies that came after that that tried to copy what they did really worked? I mean, you got to know what you did last summer. I was going to say, for me, that's the only one that works. And then you've got a bunch of remakes of old 80s movies where they did the same thing. Like, we're going to get the, the shiny, hip actors and actresses. We're mm-hmm. going to get these, well, we're going to get these actors and actresses that are 30 years old and try to convince <laughs> you that they're 17. Yeah. <laughs> and it just didn't work Yeah. at all. And I think it's because it took all the realism out of it. Yeah, I would say a great example right now as far as that, that's why, and I know you disagree with me again, that you've not been just a, a, the hugest fan of the movies that have come out recently, but that's another thing that works. And I'm going to use uh, Michael Flanagan as an example, um, a movie like Hush or what was that show we just watched? Uh, the Vampires in the Church. I can't even remember the name. Midnight Mass. Yes. He's another one that he takes actors that are legitimately talented actors. He's not taking what the fresh faces of this year or of recent years. He's taking people who are good at their craft. And that way you have these believable characters. Um, I would even say a movie like Midsummer. And yes, Florence Pugh is an upcoming actress and she's doing great things. But at the same time, she felt so realistic in her performance and not like, oh, I'm just a pretty face playing this part. 
And it's a lot different when you take Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stick her in a movie and try to convince the audience that she's someone else. Well, you just leave Sarah Michelle Gellar alone. We'll no, fight. No, I'm not saying that she's a bad <laughs> actress. I'm just saying that when you take really well-known mm-hmm. actors and actresses and try to shoehorn them into something original and then convince us that there's someone else, especially if they've been doing one thing for a long time. Right. Like Jensen Ackles had been Dean Winchester for a lot of years. Yeah. And then you stuff him in this movie and tell me he's not Dean Winchester. I'm going to call bullshit. Yeah. It just, it makes the movie not work. And it was so weird. I don't know if that makes sense, but when you get somebody that you've never seen before and you put them in the same role, even though they may not have quite the acting chops, it still sells it better because you get no preconceived notions of who they are. Yeah. I'll give a, for instance, um, in the remake, you know, Jensen Ackles, it says fuck. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that's... (laughs) so incredibly bizarre because he doesn't say that he's a son of a bitch (laughs) exactly if i've never been used to him like saying the f word or you know um kerr smith who was on dawson's creek forever watching two people fucking on a monitor it was just like what are you doing with these innocent characters of mine you know it just felt very bizarre well see you you're proving my point there is that you got these actors that were in TV shows that had been on for several years, you already had an idea of who they are and what they do and how they're supposed to act, and then you throw them into something else. Yeah. And it didn't work. But anyway, so back to the original. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, we just I, appreciate I would say, the realism. I would say that that's probably my favorite part of the movie. Although we watched the extended edition mm-hmm. where they put a bunch of the audio back in that had, or not audio, a, a lot of the footage back in that had been cut. Because I guess this movie was being shot or was scheduled to come out around the same time that John Lennon had been shot. Mm-hmm. And so violence in movies was not, it was frowned upon. Right. And so they cut a bunch out, but the extended edition that we watched, they put it all back in. And I think it's cool that you, like you've got this nice remastered video going <laughs> on and then it cuts and you get like this grainy ass footage with cigarette burns on it. I actually really like that, but yeah, I did too. I know a lot of people are like, I really wish that they could remaster those scenes in particular, but I think it works for them being grainy, in particular the kills, because that's mostly what the footage is of these extended kills. Nearly all of them were kills. Yeah. And it's the stuff they had to cut out to get it uh, released in the first place. Hell, if they hadn't remastered any of the movie and it was all like that start to finish, I think I would love it even more because it would give you that old VHS quality, you know, make you feel like a kid again. It gives you the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre quality. Exactly. Exactly. Which people love. I like it. Yeah. Personally, I like that old grainy video. It, it made it feel more realistic. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't like it, but it almost makes it feel like a found footage type of thing. And I know you're not a huge fan of those, but yeah, I don't know. I dig it. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's that's definitely a, a like. I can't think of many dislikes with this film at, at all. I mean, I'm really trying to scour my brain here, but, but I'm just not... There weren't any characters I didn't like. There weren't any kills I didn't like. Um, there wasn't any dialogue that just made me overtly cringe, even. Um, and like I said, it's just it, it just feels so genuine and honest that it's it's hard not to not like anything in this at all. Do you know what I mean? I mean, am I am I giving it too much praise? I'm thinking really hard trying to find <laughs> something that I don't like about the movie. And don't get me wrong, this is not a movie where I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is the best movie ever. Right. Yeah. Like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah. We're not, we're not claiming this is Citizen This is better Kane. than Fat Thor because it's not <laughs> going to happen. I'm not going to say that. 
But I'm trying to think, usually any movie, I can pick up one thing that I'm like, I just really didn't care for that. Yeah, you, you guys have heard us rip on lots of things since we've started. And I'm struggling to find something that I would say I just didn't like about the movie. Yeah. yeah. But again, if you if you give me characters that I can care about, whether I, I want to see them live or I want to see them die, one or the other, if you can make me care about somebody in a movie, I'm in. Yeah, and I didn't want to see any of these characters die. No, and you feel kind of, especially Hollis, you feel really bad when he gets it. Yeah. Because he seemed like a good dude. Yeah. Hollis is my but favorite. That's because he's a chubby guy with facial hair. Oh, <laughs> I don't know anybody like that. I think like you've that. got a type. <laughs> but. but yeah, that was the thing. It was like. <sighs> they were boiling their hot dogs. Okay, I don't like that. <laughs> Grill the damn thing. There you go. There you go. There's you a bo- flaw. <laughs> you, could, you could grill your hot dogs and you're boiling them. Stop it. It wasn't that cold outside, but shit, we're in Texas. People will barbecue when there's snow on the ground. They'll no be out kidding. there in, in shorts wearing their coat. It'll be 17 degrees and somebody's got a girl fired Somebody's up. cooking a hamburger or smoking a brisket somewhere. Yeah, but... We're dedicated when it comes to charred meat. <laughs> we sure are. We but, love our carcinogens. <laughs> that's right. But no, that it was just... A lot of these characters had arcs. You did. You wouldn't... You don't normally get that. You know, maybe your, your heroine has an arc or something, but you don't expect that these are people that are going to have things that you're invested in or care about. Like like Hollis and his girlfriend, for instance. We shouldn't care about them at all. No, because he's a background character. Yeah, but we do. He's a red shirt. We get his girlfriend talking in the very beginning about being so excited for this dance, and she's got this dress that she's excited to wear, and she can't wait for him to see it. And... Their interaction with each other as a couple is so believable that they're adorable, you know, and and they're not the only couple like that in this movie. There's there's like two other couples that I can think of that are just so cute together. Well, the that redheaded guy, the yeah. tall guy, and mm-hmm. his tiny tiny girlfriend that he grabs by the head and picks her up <laughs> to kiss her. How that didn't break her neck, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if, if you started trying to do that to me, I would be like, the fuck are you doing? Put me down. What did I do? <laughs> I would probably tear up my shoulder doing that. But anyway. You know, back when I was 90 pounds and 18 years old, probably oh, yeah. not. Used yeah. to, he, he used to be able to just pick me up clear over his head because I, I was literally like, guys, I'm only five feet tall. And I, yeah, at one point I was 90 pounds and I weighed nothing. And so he could like pretty much. I could gorilla press you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it was this, it was the same thing. But uh, anyway, but those two as a couple, it worked. Yeah. And I don't know. The only, if I was going to say there was a relationship that didn't work, it was the, it was the love triangle with uh, TJ, Axel and. See, I don't feel that way. Her. I don't feel that way. Um, I, I didn't. I don't know. Any other movie that would get on my nerves in a hurry. That's like the Twilight bullshit. You know, it's like, oh my God, I don't care. Just fucking pick one. Right. But both guys, because you are invested in their characters, they both gave you enough that you kind of get to a point where you're with her, where you're don't, you don't know you're just as confused as she is and you don't know who to root for because neither one of them are bad dudes. I mean, yes, you could argue that TJ just kind of took off and and left her but when he comes back he's genuinely apologetic and sincere and you do feel for him um everything coming out of his mouth feels genuine and then axel he seems like he's just a good dude he didn't ask for any of this to happen you know but this guy's coming in 
trying to take his girl back away from him. And probably in the back of his mind, he knows she still has feelings for him. But you even get those two guys together for a couple of scenes where you can tell that they're friends, or at least they were friends at or one they point. Used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're trying to be cordial with one another and crack jokes and all that. But yeah, it makes for some very compelling writing. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah. Well, and even at the end, before you find out who the killer is, when they're like, hey, this is happening. There's people in the mine. We got to go get them. And they team up. It's like they've put their differences aside yeah. to go do this thing. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't get warm fuzzies about the relationship between whoever that girl was and <laughs> either one of those guys. Yeah. Um, it wasn't enough. It didn't put me off or yeah. anything. Well, I didn't get warm fuzzies either. I'm just saying that the writing was well enough that you understood her position. Yeah. And you did get to a point where you were like, I'm with her. Like these dudes are just yeah, being just dump them both and go out with Hollis. Oh, <laughs> but his girlfriend. Well, that's true. <laughs> and she was very cute. I, I actually really adored that, that you had this really pretty girl just kind of be with this everyday guy, you know? It, 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 the, she wasn't some vapid teen like they have in most of the movies, you know? So, that, yeah, I just, I can't sing this movie's praises enough. I really can't. Like, it's, like I said, it, it's criminally underrated. So, let's talk about effects. I okay. know we touched on them. Mm-hmm. The thing that sticks out to me... Two things that stick out to me. The first one is the quality of the practical effects in this movie are pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I read somewhere that one of the effects that they did, it made the director puke. That's you know, that's a good sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. But I felt like the, the practical effects in this movie were really good. The other thing that sticks out to me is that the people who did those practical effects, I've never heard of them before. Right. Where did they go? Yeah. Like, they did a great job. Where did they go? Yeah. I mean... Maybe this was the only horror film they worked on. Maybe they went on to do other things. But, you know, I feel like in the other films, you get those Tom Savini's and Rob Bottin's who go on and make these huge fucking careers. But these guys did great. Yeah. I mean, did they go on to work for K&B or something? (laughs) Like, they had to go somewhere. Yeah. Because if they did this one movie and then didn't do horror effects again after that, that's criminal. Yeah. Because they did a great job. But, and there were a lot of, even the grainy ones looked really good yeah so um when mabel fell out of the dryer oh my god that, fucking sick that looked like a real toasted human coming <laughs> yeah. out of the coming out of that dryer <laughs> throw some cheese on top she's good <laughs> yeah it was it was it was pretty rough um the at, at near the end when you're the comic relief guy i guess he'd, he'd hung him and he drops him and i remember and watching it in the, the like theatrical version where he falls and he you know, he's hung. Yeah. But in this one, yeah, it hits and pops, and then you see his neck separate, and it, like, it's enough force to rip his head off. Yeah. And that was a good effect. That, I actually forgot about that kill. Um, We were we were sitting there, and all of a sudden his head pops off. I'm like, fuck, because I didn't remember it. And I can't tell you, loyal listeners, when the last <laughs> time was I heard my wife go, oh, fuck, about a special effect that involved blood. Because usually she's like, seen it, seen it, seen it. <laughs> Yeah. So to get a reaction out of her is saying something. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Um, I was doing the same thing. I was watching, uh, rewatching Candyman, the, the new one, a few days ago. And 
I don't know, this, I still haven't probably seen it more than 10 times, but I've seen it several times now. And I was still going through the other day. And I was like, oh my God, how did I not notice that? And I love doing that. I love when something can come out and surprise me every once in a while. Cause yeah, it just doesn't, I'm, I'm pretty jaded <laughs> as far as this stuff goes now. See, and that's the reason I like watching like uh, the National Lampoon movies <laughs> and Mel Brooks, <laughs> because there's always crap going on in the background that you didn't see the first time you watched it. Uh, I think I'll stick to Jordan Peele for that. (laughs) It adds to the rewatch value Yeah, when you can find something new every time. (laughs) Just saying. Yeah. That's that's one thing, yeah, that I like about Jordan Peele movies or Ari Aster movies where there's just something bizarre going on in the back that you didn't quite notice before. And you're like, like, it's like it brings a whole other element to it. Maybe you view the movie in a different way than you did before, you know? It adds something to it. So, but, yep. but yeah, the kills are, kills are pretty fucking decent pretty in this good. movie. Yeah. They're pretty good. I mean, there's only so much creativity you can have when you're using a pickaxe, but they still did good. I mean. He got pretty inventive with other stuff. He, well, I think he killed everyone with a pickaxe. He got creative with what he does with the body after. Yes. Yes. Um, um, the shower, he, the shower kill. Yeah. He turns her nose, her nose, he turns her mouth into a faucet. It was Pretty that good. Was, <laughs> that was pretty good, yeah. yeah. Well, none, he, her, he did not kill with a pickaxe. Mm-hmm. He killed her by impaling her on that showerhead thing. But, yeah. But yeah, most of the kills, I think, I'm trying to remember other than that one, I think nearly all of them involve the pickaxe on the front side, and then he hides them like Easter eggs. Yeah. Bloody, nasty, oozy, toasted Easter eggs. See, even, I would say even the most anticlimactic kill, and there is one, and that's the drowning in the hot dog water. Even though that's nothing that's really over the top or crazy, there's still that ache factor of it being hot dog water. I don't know why. Who wants to die in hot dog water? (laughs) It's so gross. Yes, you're probably not thinking about it because boiling water. That's true. So that's, that's that's the second non pickaxe kill. Yeah. But where he gets creative is when he cuts off the hot dog boiled head and sticks it in the refrigerator with all the beer. And then the, and then the scene, like, I think it's right before that. And the that, makeup effects on that head were good. Yeah. But the scene right before that where he stuck the heart in there with the hot dogs. And I can't remember the redheaded guy's name, but he's just like, oh, somebody's pretty sick. But it's like so fucking gross that nobody was like, oh my God, there's a boiled heart in our Oh. Well, and as the viewer, you know that they're fixing to eat hot dogs boiled in face water. <laughs> or heart, heart water, organ water. But and, Well, it's the same one he drowned that guy in. So he boiled a face in there, and then he boiled a heart in there, and they're fixing to eat hot dogs and out of that water. It's probably... That's the reason you grill your damn hot dogs. <laughs> it's probably... Not for me. It's not common for me. But I know there are a lot of people out there, including my own grandmother, who like their organ meats... I'm not one of them, (laughs) but so for them, they're like, oh yeah, heart, whatever. They probably, there's people out there that eat hearts from various animals. Probably not out of humans. No, not out of humans, but. Probably not. Probably some organ water is not going to bother them too much, but for me. If it was human organ water, it might bother (laughs) them. But for me, it's pretty fucking gross. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that even people who are a big fan of organ meats, if you said, hey, so I boiled a face in this and then I threw a human heart in there. Do you want a hot dog (laughs) that comes out of that water? No, I'll pass on your hot dog. (laughs) Absolutely. Because that's nasty. And the fuck is the matter with you? (laughs) Why are you putting faces and hearts in that water? Yeah. But but overall, yeah, the kills are the, the kills are pretty fucking pretty good. good. I would say that there are kills in 
Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street that are not as inventive as some of the kills in this movie. I mean, I know that's a bold statement, but you see people get stabbed with a machete so many times and you're like, like, shit, that dude's head popped off. Like, you know, like you shook up a, a soda and, you know, the lid, the head, the lid flies off. Like a champagne cork. Yeah, exactly. Right out of there. Yeah. Some of those kills were just were fucking great, and I... As opposed to, oh, he stabbed him. We've never seen that before. Right. So Sorry, now I'm just being a dick. <laughs> the dryer kill definitely stands out to me as best kill in this movie. Yeah. And Even though were, it's sad. It is sad. It is a very sad kill. Because she had a thing for the sheriff, and I think the sheriff had a thing for her, and it was two yeah. old people that liked each other. And, and that's cute when old people like each other. And it was, yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, because it to add insult to injury, then he gets that box of chocolates right after from her and it's oh talk about rip your heart out like well and i guess actually he did (laughs) he did and he put it in a different heart-shaped box yeah so and there's what about the feral dogs (laughs) i was about to bring that up oh my god like i was gonna say besides the kills there's little ick things throughout like the hearts and the chocolate boxes and then those dogs like like chomping at the bit to get in that box here's the deal like, I've seen Ren 1010, okay? <laughs> I've seen other movies with trained animals in them. And that dog that goes after his leg there, I'm like, that might be a real stray. <laughs> yeah. That does not look like an actor dog. I, I couldn't help Lassie it. would never do that. I was thinking of Talladega Nights. <laughs> Will Ferrell talking about the vicious packs of wild dogs. And that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, these must be the vicious They're wild real. dogs. <laughs> They're in Nova Scotia. Yeah. <clears throat> but, but yeah, it's just, uh, and him picking up the box and the blood on his hands. And I mean, obviously it, it's not the best fake blood because it's, it's a little thick. Well, I mean, at one but... point when Axel's in the mine or not Axel, TJ at the end, and he's got some blood running down the side of his face and it's orange. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not the best fake blood per se, but it, it's still the the very idea, the thought of it. Just yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so we talked about acting, we talked about story, we've talked about effects, we've talked about the kills, we've talked about some kills. Let's talk about score. Um, I hate to say that this one is not exactly one that has a memorable score in it. If I think about it, I can hear the score at the beginning of the movie uh like said the chick and probably axel in the mine um i can hear that music in my head but other than that there's really nothing that really stands out i would say um except for the really badass song at at the end credits that's where i was going (laughs) yeah that song's cool (laughs) yeah they thought that was going to be like a number one hit yeah that was that was the whole idea um you know what that song reminds me of it's it's like it's almost a clone of uh, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. You familiar sort with of. that song? Yeah, yeah, I a know very the song. Folksy. It's telling a story, and it it tells a story. Yeah, and I, yeah. I kind of dig that music. I don't know about this song in in particular, but it is, despite the fact that it is it is called the Ballad of Harry Warden, Henry Warden, Harry Warden, Harry Warden. I knew it was an H. <laughs> uh, like that's one that when you hear it, you know exactly what movie it's from. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing really like memorable, I guess, but um, serviceable, I guess. I mean, like I said, but we weren't there. I, I think there was so much going on in it tension wise that you d- I didn't notice it not being there. Which which is an which is a test to its writing. So if you watch the the uh, 
credits all the way to the end. It's only two songs listed in mm-hmm. this movie. I don't think there is a score for this movie. There is a little, but it's just... Because I don't ever remember... Like, you hear them, like, when they're in the bar and their song's playing on the radio. Uh-huh. Or when they're back in the uh, the rec room or whatever at the mine, their song's playing on the radio. And they kind of have that hillbilly music playing, you know, when they're loading up to go to the bar or whatever. Right. But as far as a a proper score, like over the opening credits and stuff like that, I don't remember. No, there there is. Is there? Yeah, there is. Like I said, I I can hear that in my mind if I think about it. But throughout, no, I don't. But you know how like Halloween and Friday the 13th both, they'll have music that builds toward a kill or or a suspenseful moment. I don't Mm -hmm. remember that in this movie. Yeah, no. There weren't like musical cues for things happening on screen. Yeah, which... I don't know. Maybe that works in some cases. Well, I didn't notice it until we started talking about it. Because sometimes with, with scores and musical cues or stings, it can almost telegraph. You know, like it's a spoiler almost. Yeah, you got to be very, very careful with those. Otherwise, yeah. your audience knows, oh shit, something bad's about to happen. Exactly. Hmm. And I, I guess that's a thing I appreciate about Halloween score is that tense music plays throughout the movie. Yeah, the, they try not to ever let up on the tension. Yeah. There. This one, I don't know. That's another thing. Is it even though I don't feel like this is a tense movie? Maybe once they're down in the mine, but up until the point where they're in the mine, you know the killer's in the mine with them, it's not a very suspenseful movie to me. Like a what's going to happen next, make you a little nervous feeling kind of movie. Is it for you? Did you get any of that? Maybe not throughout. I I think you maybe you're right. But once they are in the setting of the mine, Absolutely. Then it gets tense. Yes. But that's really the only place. Yeah. So, I don't know. Because Travis and I have ridden through a mine before. Like, we've gone down those elevator things. I don't know if there's a property. Well, it was the Molly Kathleen Gold Mine in Colorado. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't think they operate anymore, but it's like a thousand feet deep. And we rode that that elevator where basically they put you in a a metal coffin made out of expanded metal and lower you a thousand feet down. It was really cool. um, Except, like, I don't like high places. So... Technically, you're headed towards a low pay, low place, but at well, the top of that shaft, there were still a thousand feet of nothing under me. <laughs> yes, and they sardine you into those and, elevators. And, and he shines the light through the grate. And he's like, look, there's nothing down there. Like, Gee, thanks, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Totally okay with that. I remember just being like packed into but, this thing with your mom and the kids and thinking, there's a lot of us in here. That's a lot of weight. Yeah. And if this thing just snapped right now, we'd be fucked. You really would. But having been down there, that one seemed to be a lot more spacious than the one that they show in this movie and definitely better lit. And even then, it still had some creep factor. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which, by the way, if you're ever in Colorado near, where was that? Cripple Creek? Yeah. Go check out the Molly Kathleen Gold Mine as long as you don't mind going a thousand feet down. Oh, and it's really fucking cold. It is cold. Yeah. Because um, the way I like, we like caves when we go on vacation, of course, in Texas in the summertime, caves are great because it's cool in there. Yeah. But, but with in Colorado, it's just nice. Like it might be 67 degrees or 70 degrees. And so you're great and you can wear a pair of shorts whenever. Oh, by the way, when you get to this mine, it's going to be closer to 20 degrees. It was not that cold <laughs> down there. I think it was 30 something though. No, it was, but it was like in the low 60s. No, not that one. Yeah, it wasn't that cold down there. At any rate, we had to wear heavy coats and put on these jumpsuits. And um, I can't remember exactly. I'll have to look it up. If nothing else, then just to bust Travis's butt a little bit. But No, because it was freezing cold on top. 
Yeah. It was it because of the elevation. We were, it was cold that day. Oh, okay. I see and what you're was, saying. And it was raining. I see what you're saying. It wasn't cold inside the mine, but or because caves are typically yeah they're at that sixty degree. Okay, right. they say I see what you're saying. Around. It yeah. was it was like twenty degrees on top though. Yes, above ground. It we were freezing to death. And it, it was raining and it yes. was shit. Yeah, but, it was miserable. I'm, I'm but, pretty sure I got pictures anyway, of the kids with snot running. It down was their really face. cool. And we got to ride in a mine car, and it was an actual miner. Uh, leading the tour Mm -hmm. so that dude knew his shit it was really neat but i can see where if you were in a mine that was not well lit it would be some scary shit yeah so at one point we were yeah we were definitely in the carts just riding on this tunnel and i know we're not specifically talking about the remake right now but it reminded me of those end credits in the remake where it's just taking you down a mine. Well, when we jumped in those mine cars, it was dark. Yeah. When we went through there. Yeah. And so I sat with my phone filming and I'm like, look, I'm making my own my bloody Valentine credits. <laughs> but um, since you had seen it, you could appreciate it. You're like, oh, this is so cool. And you couldn't help but just because it was dark, you were kind of expecting like, oh, my God, at any moment, Harry Warden might pop out and get us. Yeah. So I think one of the kids might have even mentioned that too, but uh, it's it's such a great setting for a horror movie, and I'm surprised that hasn't been utilized more. Well, you know what scared me the most about <clears throat> that mine was when they were talking about the elevator. Because mm-hmm. they don't have an intercom system that goes up to the... Because the people that control the elevator are on top. Yeah. And so they do it by ringing a bell and like ringing it once means something, ringing it twice means something, and so there's a specific sequence that they have to hit to tell the people on top whether the car's going up or down. And the guy, when the guy explained it, he was, he was talking about how way back when they had to have a standardized thing where it's the same in every mind because it might be different from one to the next, I guess, back in the day. Mm-hmm. And if you sent up the wrong one with a bunch of guys in the elevator, it might go down when it's not supposed to because apparently the, the shaft that that elevator is in goes down for like another 100 feet to hold water. Mm-hmm. And it's full of water. So basically, they had in, had uh, tragedies, really, where somebody new to the mine or whatever, somebody would send the wrong uh, sequence up to the controller, the operator, mm-hmm. and they would drown those people now, on accident. remind me, this mine that we were in, it wasn't a coal mine, right? It was no, like it, was a a gold, gem- it was a gold mine. It was a gold mine. Okay. I was thinking it was like gems for some reason. Because, you know, you, you always go to caves and for some reason they always have gems in the gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> or crystals or something. But I thought, I don't know, I was kind of pissed at the dude because he told us that story and then packed us in there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, shit, I hope he got it right. Maybe they do that on purpose. Here. I'm sure he did. <laughs> like, just to fuck with people. But. At any yeah. rate, it's fun and I would completely recommend it. I highly it. recommend it. Oh, yeah. For if, sure. If you like that kind of thing. We're nerds for that kind of shit. So <laughs> Yeah, we're old now. <laughs> we were running around down there pretend, pretending to be dwarves in the mines of Moria. <laughs> Swinging, like, foam battle axes at each other. Yeah, like, (laughs) I would be so terrible because, and we were actually talking about this while we were watching the movie, like, if left to our own devices, like, say, again, in the remake where you have the situation where the kids are just in there, none of the staff are there, you're just, you have the, the way of the mind to your, or the lay of the mind to yourself, like, you can just do whatever you want in there, you can party or whatever. I would be horrible because I probably would be doing some kind of fucking Gimli cosplay or some shit. You'd be LARPing through the mind. You shall not pass. 
Like, uh, I realize, yes, Gandalf. it's Gandalf. Yes, I'm not a complete chode, okay? I, <laughs> I, I know that. But I'm saying I would be running through there, like, reenacting all this shit. If we knew nobody was watching, we would do such dumb shit. <laughs> we would. It'd be, it would be totally fun, too. Or, you know, I could grab a pickaxe and pretend to kill you. I can't promise I wouldn't. Would you pretend? <laughs> I don't know. Would it be pretend? <laughs> I'm not sure it would depends be pretend. On, depends on the day. Oh. <laughs> but it would, I really think it would be so much fun. Or um, there, was a, there was a cavern we went to, I think in Tennessee, where they said that every year they would turn off all the lights in the cave and they would run the descent on a projector in there. So that would be fun, too, if you could have... A mine and you would turn off everything and run my bloody valentine on a projector that'd be fucking great was that in tennessee i think i think it was mammoth cave was it, was it? yeah because i thought they said something about doing that at longhorn caverns here in texas i don't think so because they have that big room that used to be uh a dance hall speakeasy or whatever yeah no i don't think so i think it i'm pretty sure it was mammoth cave because they had another one of those really giant fucking yeah. rooms but I would totally go. I'd do that. Yeah, it'd be fun as shit. It, it'd be scary. It'd be scary. But I, yeah, I would sit in a mine and watch my bloody Valentine. Like do a double feature of both both movies. It'd be great. I'd love it. And you have to go in and out with a headlamp. Yeah. No turning on the lights. Ah, <laughs> oh, like I'm always the one that if you're in the middle of that tour and they're like, okay, so we're gonna turn off all the lights now. Everybody's all the kids, of course, are getting scared. Uh, Isabel was terrified this last time. Well, um, I had to hold her. Yeah. But I'm one of those that's like, ooh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then just having that, I, I don't know. It's weird because I'm afraid of the dark. Um, but at the same time, and it's one of those instances where it's controlled. So you don't have that fear, I guess, or at least I don't. Um, so when they do that, I always look forward to it. But it'd be really cool. I think it'd it be fun. Be but, um, or go to a mine, watch my bloody Valentine down there. That's what I just said. Well, you said cave and watch the descent. No, I was saying they do that, but I would like to be in a mine and do a double feature of the My Bloody Valentine movies, and it'd be even fun if you had to sit in a cart. <laughs> like they just that have would you... get goddamn uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it probably would, but really you know, uncomfortable. Set the scene; that would be fun. Those things were not built for comfort <laughs> at all. Yeah, but yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But yeah, it'd be really fun. I don't know. I'm a big dork, so. <laughs> Um, but that whole last act, yeah, that part of it, it is really tense and it is, you know, because we have all of our characters basically scattering to the four winds and you don't really get an idea of the scope of this mine, like how far apart everybody is from each other, but it kind of takes them a hell of a long time to find everybody. And of course they never find anybody because they're all slowly getting picked off one by one. Um, but that I would actually say that part of the movie is legit pretty scary. It does. It gets pretty tense there. Especially when he's just like popping around out of corners and, you know, like, a, oh, the girl in the red dress. I can't remember her name. I feel bad about it. But she comes around a corner at one point and then just takes the pickaxe to the stomach. It's like. And she died slow. Yeah. It looks really fucking painful. And Sarah just stood there and watched. And then she walked off. <laughs> I mean, off. what else are you going to do? Like nothing <laughs> happened. Like it cuts from that. And then she's just like walking through. One of the one of the caves. She's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but there's um, I, there's this other character of the of the name Happy in there, and there's a scene where he's taking great delight in trying to set up this elaborate prank on the kids, 
and he shoves a, a miner up in... Like a mine suit with a pickaxe, <laughs> like inside an outhouse or something. Yeah. So that when they open the door, the pickaxe is supposed to fall down. Yeah. And this <laughs> is the first time we've ever had our, quote, doomsayer, like, actually take active part in what's going on. Like, yeah. I, I love his speech at the at the beginning. And, yeah, and when he set up this trap, he, like, he'll set it all up and then open the door and it falls and he giggles. Yeah. Like he's laughing and he set it up and open it again. He does it, like, four times. He's so pleased with himself. <laughs> It'd be funny to watch Crazy Ralph, you know, if he had done something like right? that. But, yeah, Happy is so very pleased with his own cleverness and then that's when he gets killed. But I brought it up because it's another kill that's pretty good. And it seemed like they tried tried to do recreate that kill in the remake where uh tom atkins takes the pickaxe through the chin and his chin gets popped off didn't happy get killed the same way to yeah, pickaxe through, through the chin the, up through the bottom yeah yeah so that's a that's another good kill um but you, i i realize that you're gonna rip on me for what i'm about to talk about without next. mercy <laughs> no moisy so We've been going through these reviews and I've said literally every time, these movies don't scare me. They don't scare me. With the exception of one, and that was Tales from the Hood. And I had talked about how Travis busted my balls about, why are you so scared of this movie? Well, this is another one. Like, this ending really had me all kinds of shook. Like, it still does. I don't know why, even after I've seen it a hundred times, the end is still fucking haunting to me. Like, literally every time. And if I'm watching this movie by myself at night in the dark, it's one of those instances where you're you're walking back to your bedroom and you're like... You gotta, like, look over your shoulder? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And it's because... Wait a minute, is it the part where he goes, Sarah... <laughs> So yeah, it so is. we do get we do get Axel revealed as our killer, and I will admit that I'm not entirely on board with his motivation because normally, if you have somebody whose family member was killed by the killer, then I would think that would set you on the opposite path. You, you know? would think, but there's several horror movies where they they run off with that yeah. that whole like, well, I saw the killer kill this person, so now I'm going to kill too. Yeah, I don't understand that motivation. You're, there's another movie you're going to have to watch called Pieces, and I think the, the the motivation with that killer is sort of similar, where it's like, why would this necessarily cause you to want to kill people instead of avenging? You know, like I don't this know. This isn't another one of those really jacked up movies that you. Like <laughs> Martyrs or Eden no, Lake no, no, or no, something no. like that? No, Pieces is... Uh, or Raw. Pieces is another slasher, and it's... Those are movies we'll probably never talk about, by the way. <laughs> never say never, but no, it's it's almost it's almost kind of like a Jallo film a little bit. Um, It's another one of those that's kind of badly dubbed. I think they filmed it in Spain, I believe, Um, but I believe that the filmmakers were Italian, so you've got that horrible dubbing, but you've also got, I don't know, all these tropes that would fit into your Italian horror movies. But you're going to have to check it out. I watched it recently on, on Joe Bob, and it was fucked up. I'd never seen it before. And um, prob- I would say probably thanks to Joe Bob. There's a lot of movies that I've watched that I would not have watched otherwise. Yay, Joe Bob. Like Basket Case. <laughs> That's when we may have to cover the future because it's so fucked that up. That movie's checked out. <laughs> But, um, but yes, I, I just wasn't sure that I really bought Axel's 
motivation for wanting to kill. I could understand how seeing something like that when you're little would I understand if he's fuck in, you up. I get it if he's in therapy, you know, or if he's a little weird or a little crazy, but going off to kill exactly the way he saw Harry Warden kill his dad? Yeah. That doesn't make sense to I me. I mean, because, like, think about Dexter, for instance. Same thing. He saw a traumatic thing. He saw his mother being murdered when he was little, but that just led him to killing bad guys. I mean, albeit with the code, but still, it just led him to kill people who were bad, whereas... Well, I think technically... Harry is the one who pointed him towards only killing bad guys. Right, right. So, I don't know. I think left to his own devices, he would have killed whoever. I guess, okay, I guess I could see where this might be copying Friday the 13th just a little bit, where Betsy Palmer's going and killing people who ultimately had nothing to do with the death of her son, but she's punishing them for basically for the sake of just being there. Whereas Axel's kind of doing the same thing. He's punishing people for having a Valentine's Day dance. You know? Um, I don't know. I don't get it. Like Friday the 13th meets Footloose. <laughs> Nobody's allowed to dance. <laughs> I don't know. But... Okay. <laughs> I, that's an odd way to put it together. But yeah, sure. You're work Kevin Bacon in there somewhere. We'll just go with that. I'm sure he's in there somewhere. <laughs> but Kevin Bacon's always in there. <laughs> But at any rate, the way we were talking before, up until this point, Axel's been a pretty likable character. You know, he's treated us to some harmonica. He's, you know, he's cracked some jokes. He hasn't seemed like a bad guy at all, even amidst all this this tension with TJ over Sarah. Um, but it is revealed that he's the killer. And then uh, he has some rock and debris collapse. Well, there's a, there's a cave-in. Yeah, Um and he's trapped and he's only got his arms sticking out. And at this time, we've had our law enforcement and townspeople and everybody who's... I mean, our poor sheriff, had, ever since he found Mabel's body in the dryer, he the dude has been running around town trying to nip this shit in the bud. And um, Unlike most law enforcement yeah. in most horror movies, this dude's on it. Like, he's... He's not effective, but damn it, he's trying. He's like fucking Loomis. Like, he's yeah. making it a point he's to... He's on the case. He is trying to make something happen. Yeah. So, by the time everybody reaches him, you know, you think everything's okay. And despite everything that has happened, Sarah still cares about Axel. And she's she's sitting there. She's holding his hand, you know, and you can see some remorse and stuff on her face and meanwhile but she doesn't know what's going on on the other side of that uh, meanwhile he's going full 127 hours over yeah, there you can hear the sounds of him sawing his arm off and it's so gross it's all wet and squishy and disgusting sound quality is amazing by the way because oh gross but yeah then all of a sudden she just hauls out his arm and yeah, this part effectively fucks me up every time I watch it. And that's that he starts he starts running off and clutching uh, the spot where his arm's gone, talking about uh, this whole fucking town's going to die. Me and Harry are coming back for you. Um, and then sing songy to Sarah, my bloody Valentine. Oh my God. Ah! <laughs> and then he starts singing that little song. And I don't know how it goes exactly but it's like and it chills me to my bones literally every time and then uh, of course travis made fun of him because then he gave that little cackle 
there at the end. Because you were, you were, you were, you totally sit there making fun of me. You're like, ah! no, I'm trying to think of who that laugh was like. He laughs like the guy in Halloween Six. Oh, uh, spits. spits. Oh, gross. Don't say he that. He laughs like spits. No, he yeah, does not. Yeah, a little bit. No, no. A little bit. No, because when Spitz laughs, it's just fucking annoying. When Axel laughs, it's creepy. It's crazy. That's full-blown crazy. But not in an annoying way. I don't know. I mean, if it was under different circumstances, <laughs> it might just be annoying. Yeah, but what a way to end a fucking movie. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. Like, I'm surprised they didn't keep going. They could have at that point. Mm -hmm. They could have kept going because they were looking for Harry Warden, right? Because Harry Warden was supposed to be in some psychiatric ward somewhere. And I don't remember how they wrapped that up in the movie. But... Well, they throughout, he was trying to get the information because they just assume he escaped and is, you right. know, back to killing again. And so they call the hospital that he was committed to. And they get this lady who doesn't give a single shit. She's just like... Well, it's going to take some time to get these files. It's going to take me like two weeks. And guy's like, fuck your two weeks. We don't have time for this shit. Like, this is important. And the lady's just like, well, you know. So they they, they do come to the conclusion that he did finally die there okay. in the hospital. So, yeah, we do figure out at one point that it is definitely not him doing it. Yeah, but Axel got away. Yeah. They could have kept going. I think so. This would be be one, at least one more sequel. And I would have been okay with that, I think. Yeah. I don't know how effective a one-armed pick-wielding miner <laughs> is going to be as a serial killer, but I'd watch it. He was just the right amount of crazy that I think... Maybe he would replace that arm with a pickaxe. Ooh. A la Candyman, maybe. I don't know. Cause yeah. It was at the forearm or, or the elbow, right? It wasn't, his, it wasn't like up to the shoulder. No, 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 no. I think it was just no. It was just below the elbow. I think. Yeah. So there could still be some movement in there. Like yeah, from... he could swing it. <laughs> I mean, he'd have to get some serious Lieutenant Dan muscles. But yeah, he could do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at least one more I think would have been cool. So, and you know what else I think really sucks? Now that we're kind of wrapping this up, I think it really fucking sucks that there's not more kind of love themes or Valentine's Day type horror movies. Well, so when they, I, I did do a little bit of research on this. Okay. So apparently they they settled on Valentine. They wanted to make a horror movie. They settled on Valentine's Day because all these other ones were coming up, like Halloween, that were centered around a holiday of some kind. No one had done Valentine's Day yet, so that's why they picked it. Right. And like the working title for it was The Secret, mm -hmm. so that no one would do, know they were doing a Valentine's movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... It's a thing. They do one for every holiday. Yeah. Except for Easter. I don't know that there's an Easter horror movie. There totally I... should be like a rabid <laughs> Easter bunny. I think there is. There probably is. I think that there is. It's one of those really shitty ones, though, that you'd find like on... Like Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah. Not Shudder, but uh, Tubi. You know, that T-U-B-Y. Oh, it's I like, know. They have the, some of the shittiest movies on there. Like, you get on there and you're all hopeful, like... Ooh, there's like 3,000 titles to choose from or more. And then you get on there, they're like 85% of them you've never heard of before. Right. You know, it's like. They're all fan fiction shot on a handy cam. <laughs> I would say even Shudder is guilty of this sometimes, where you get like a lot of these really cool titles or you get a lot of original programming that actually turns out to be really fucking okay, good. But to be fair to Shudder, sometimes you run across those and you're like, hey, I just found something really good that I've never seen before. Yeah, like Summer of 84 is a great example 
Um, that was a movie that I went in there and I was like, it's kind of got that Stranger Things, um, oh, Stand By Me kind of vibe. Right. And it turned out to be one of the creepiest fucking movies that I've seen. So yeah, it's not everything on there's a winner, but there's, you know, I would say their original programming has been pretty fucking Every now and then you find a gem, even on the stuff that's not their original programming. Every now and then you find a movie that you've never heard of before and you're like, damn, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of the Cajusants. You know, like you had Mandy on there and Color Out of Space. Yep. Some Those have been pretty, pretty fucking good. Oh my God, if you've not seen Color Out of Space, guys. Woo! I yeah, mean, it's a, a Lovecraftian type. That movie was movie. fucked up. Have like, you ever read Lovecraft? Everything he did was fucked up. <laughs> I know, but you don't always expect to see it committed to screen and being done any justice. But that movie had like some serious uh, vibes from the thing. Like, ah, uh, I won't, I won't give any spoilers away, but if you haven't seen it, you should definitely well, watch it's it. It's possible that some of the stuff from the thing drew from Lovecraft because he came first. That's entirely possible. Yeah. He came first. And I would tell you that just about any movie that they ever make that pulls from Lovecraft, they're not going to do it justice just because I don't know that the technology is out there to actually do some of the crazy shit that he wrote about. Yeah. I'm Okay. So you, you brought up Lovecraft and the first thing I thought about is, okay, I think I can think of a couple of more movies that we could squeeze into this. Like Dagon? Sexy month. Yes. Dagon being one. It's kind of a love story. And sort of. Bride of Reanimator, which we have not covered Reanimator yet, but... Uh, I would say... We don't do shit in order. We covered the middle <laughs> Halloween movies. That's true. That's true. Like, hey, let's do some Halloween movies. Let's do the <laughs> shittiest ones. But you got Bride of Reanimator, where this chick, like, literally rips her heart out and holds it out to the guy and is like, what more do you want? And if that doesn't hit you, I, fuck, I don't know what will. That, that's yeah, pretty so heartbreaking. We can, we can knock down some Lovecraft. <laughs> yeah. I, I happen to be a big Lovecraft fan, as is Travis, as is our son Aiden. Um, yeah, but I've actually read the books. Yes, and so have I. I'm You've just read not, the books? Yes, I'm just not as versed on them oh, okay. as you and Aiden are. Um, like I said, if I, I don't really read as much as I should. I don't read as much as I would like. But yes, I have my... I didn't know that you'd read them. Yes. Okay. Because oh, I, I do this kind of uh, side gig where uh, I make my own t-shirts. And one of the ones I was very excited to make was because I wanted... There was a... Oh, there was an episode of Masters of Horror and it was taking on a Lovecraft story called Dreams in the Witch House. And one of the characters had this really badass University of Miskatonic t-shirt on. And I was like, oh my God, I've got to have one of those. And you look it up, there's really nothing out there. That, I mean, there's people that make them, but they're okay. So I was so proud. I made my very own that was just like his. And I was so excited to wear it. And the first thing I got asked was, what's that? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> Don't so you... worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you you get stuff like that for that one person you run into every now and then that's like, hey, I see what you're doing there. Exactly. I remember I was wearing, I had this uh, Evil Dead t-shirt back when I was probably 40 pounds lighter. <laughs> it was this t-shirt of Ash and it said, uh, this is my boomstick. And I found one person that was like, it's a great shirt. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> well, you remember my uh, Aperture hat? Yeah. So, yeah, every now and then, like, it was just the logo. No words, no nothing. Every now and then, somebody would be like, I see you. For our gamer friends, that's in reference to uh, Portal, right? Yep. So, yep. <laughs> I was going to say, not everybody knows what Aperture is, honey. <laughs> well, you know, we just did Spider-Man for Pillow Talk with J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, Cave Johnson. Who is Cave Johnson. 
in all of those. So even if you don't, even if you're not a gamer, it's worth pulling up the Cave Johnson quotes on uh, YouTube. Yeah. Because he basically still he he's Jonah Jameson just as Cave Johnson. And yeah. It's awesome. He's gonna burn your house down with the lemons. <laughs> but we really digressed all for me to just say yes, I do really enjoy some Lovecraft, even if he wasn't the most upstanding person in his personal life. Um, Most of those guys weren't. (laughs) Facts. Lots of drugs. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I would say that we might be able to squeeze in Bride of Reanimator Dagon. I wouldn't say Dagon leans as heavily on it and uh, love story until maybe the very end. So the problem with a lot of the Lovecraft movies is that they didn't pick one story necessarily and stick with them on a lot of the love the lovecraftian movies they kind of pick and choose out of several books and mm-hmm. then they kind of bastardize them and mash them together mm-hmm. um so even dagon it's got elements from a couple of different stories yes. mm-hmm. um i was gonna say that one is kind of a mishmash of two different stories yeah reanimator it's it's there it's the bones it's are there close it's closer than some of the other ones but still it's it's kind of a mishmash Mm-hmm. But still good. I'm actually I'm I'm actually kind of anxious to do that now because um, everybody talks about their horror heroes, right? And it's typically your Robert England, Kane Hodder, and, and yes, I will always say Doug Bradley. But another one of my that I feel was really overlooked horror heroes is Jeffrey Combs. He's just fucking amazing. Uh, I love him as um, Herbert West. He's like. Uh, I don't know. I always say that David Tennant, who was the t- uh, 10th doctor, or 9th, I can't, 10th, yes. That, he was a doctor. Yes. <laughs> I always say that David Tennant is like if Jeffrey Combs and Bruce Campbell had a love child, <laughs> because those guys kind of all give me the same vibe and the same, they kind of all look a little similar. They're just kind of these crazy, like, Weasley. And, and yes, I realize that Bruce Campbell's, you know, obviously not a small guy. Well, but... I think all of them have played a role where they bring a, a kind of a frantic element yes. to the character. Yes. And Jeffrey Combs does that. Yes. His is, his is maybe not as much frantic as it is manic. Yes. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen Jeffrey Combs in something where you didn't think he might be a little unhinged. Yeah. And like... he does it well. Like at, like I said, as Herbert West or as Dr. Vanicut in, in uh, House on Haunted Hill. He's fucking terrifying. He's a good actor. Um, the Frighteners. I, I, I could go on forever. A little known movie called Faust, Love of the Damned. Uh, probably the most normal character he's ever played. He was like a detective in that movie. Um, but still, there is one nightmare fuel scene involving him in there and a snake and I won't go into it. But if you haven't seen it, you should check it out for sure. If, it, if nothing else, because it's batshit crazy. Uh, maybe Faust. That could be another kind of love theme one we could cover. Wasn't that one called Love of the Damned? Yes. <laughs> so. So we may, have, yeah. we may have a treat for you at the end of this month. We'll just have to. We might. We'll have to decide. We'll have to draw you're, straws. Since you're bringing up old literature, there's other authors out there than Lovecraft that they could really dive into. Mm-hmm. I mean, if film, filmmakers got a hold of like Arthur Machen and Algernon Blackwood, they they were kind of in that same class, so to speak, mm-hmm. with H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. And I've read a lot of their stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was The Wendigo. They wrote The Wendigo, which yeah. would be fantastic. Which the book is scary as hell. Yeah, Aiden, Aiden said tense. it was pretty. He was telling me about it, too. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot of, they build tension 
mm-hmm. and then just keep you in that place where you're something's going to happen, something's going to happen, something's going to happen, and they don't ever let you go. Mm-hmm. So um, I really enjoy that old, the old stuff. But, but um, the problem is, is if they're going to do it, they need to do it all the way. Like if you're going to make a film out of something like that, they've got to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the problem with a lot of the Lovecraft movies that they made is they were probably low budget. They had a you know maybe a poor shooting schedule or a really short one. Didn't get the funding they needed. It's kind of like Clive Barker movies. You know, they could have been, maybe they're good, mm-hmm. but they could have been amazing if somebody would have really put the effort into it, so. God, you know what other movie just dawned on me about being a fucked up thing involving a couple, sort of? would be Tetsuo the Iron Man. No. I, yeah. Ew. No. <laughs> I don't know that I would recommend that we're movie not doing, to anybody. We're not doing J-horror. <laughs> not yet. I'm not ready for that. But... No, it's If just... any of you have ever watched J-Horror, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not ready to do that. I think that one might be Korean. Okay. <laughs> Say the, I've seen just as many fucked up Korean movies as I've seen J- Japanese. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of the ones that we've seen that have been really weird are, are Korean, but yeah. still. But... Um, they, they take their horror to a totally different place than Americans do. Yeah. And they come up with all kinds of new and disturbing ways to make you... <laughs> throw up in your mouth a little so <laughs> but now I'm, I'm sitting here trying to scour my brain and the only thing that, god guys if you can help me out with like some kind of dark love story because when i automatically or when i think of love stories dark love stories in horror I, my mind automatically goes to hellraiser or Candyman, maybe phantom of the opera uh bride frankenstein but in terms of modern movies or anything really throughout the slasher era, I just nothing's coming to mind. Like the first thing I hit my head was warm bodies, and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that. Who wants yeah. to do that? Anyway, we'll get it worked out because by the time this episode airs, February will be nearly over. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too late to ask for suggestions. Short month, but but yeah. But we'll figure out a couple more. Yeah. Well, next week, of course, we're going to cover the remake. Of my bloody Valentine. Right. So. So then we really just need one more to have February done. Yeah. It's it's about finding that last spot. And yeah, we're going to have to, we're going to have to talk amongst ourselves and maybe. I think we'll do like. Uh, draw a number out of a hat. Several rounds of rock, paper, scissors, lizard, <laughs> spot. We'll do double elimination maybe. Have a loser's bracket. Yeah. So that might be fun all on its own. <laughs> Could be. But at any rate. And then we'll Rochambeau for it. <laughs> no. Well, that would hurt you way more than it would hurt me. <laughs> Probably. Because I don't have any nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as always, guys, thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, before you go, I'll give a shout out to another podcaster of the week. Uh, I said before that it was our content creators. Now I'm going with our podcasters. And this week, I'm going to give a shout out to my good friend Miguel Myers ATX for his show, My Horror Confessionals. And he's got a really awesome spin on it where he takes somebody who has not seen the film in question and has them watch it for the first time and then make their confession on why they haven't seen it. And that's a really fun take and interesting and um, definitely go check him out. He's on all platforms also. Um, And yeah, we'll see you next week for... Hey, hang on. What? What? I have a podcast that I want to (gasps) pitch. You do? I do. Okay. It's uh, The Monster Hunters. It's a fiction thing. It's not about movies. It's not about anything else. But um, I recently moved, transitioned to to a new job, and uh, I was gone for three weeks, basically. And I got turned on to this new podcast. It's uh, the, 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 I guess, the 
company that it's under is definitely human. They got several different podcasts. Uh, but one of these guys, and I'm drawing a total blank on their name, does the Hellraiser podcast as yes, well. Yes, which we have plugged before. And it's just entertaining. It's uh, these guys do. Uh, they're they're part actors at the London Dungeon, I think, and they got a ton of stuff out there. If you if you can do British humor, right? If that's funny for you, this is it. And it is definitely funny. It is funny. Um, but yeah, it's called the Monster Hunters, and you can find them on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, which are the same thing. <laughs> well, I just said both. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever plugged a podcast. Don't give me shit. <laughs> We have lots of wonderful podcast uh, friends, and we're probably going to tell you about all of them every week. This is, uh, I think I've said it before, this is such a great community of people, and we've been so blessed to make all kinds of new great friends, and um, they have shared our shit multiple times, and we're going to do the same thing in turn. So, yeah, definitely check out uh, whatever Travis just plugged, because I have not myself listened to it yet, and uh, my horror confessional, so... We'll see you next week for My Bloody Valentine in 3D. Oh, shit. Are we doing it in 3D? <laughs> no, we're not. No. <laughs> All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Quick reminder to find us on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as SpookyMom83 and Travis on Twitter as TravisL80. And find our official page on Instagram and Twitter at Dead and Married. If you have any questions or suggestions for films or otherwise, feel free to email us at deadandmarried at yahoo.com. Later.